0: Hello everybody and welcome to the show. My name is Shay Kamrychka and this is Two Temples, the podcast where I talk to people about their psychedelic experiences. You're listening to the final part of the conversation with Gerardo Urias about his book, Taking Back My Mind. You can find it on Amazon and Kindle. I left a link to it in the episode description. If you have anything you'd like to share on the podcast, email me at two 2Templespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Gerardo and all the past guests for opening up and sharing your stories. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and write a review. Thanks and enjoy. Alright, I'm back. Okay, I'm back too. Okay, right on. <laughs> this awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's been a, a great conversation. I can't believe so it's been about two hours,
0: huh? Uh, two and a half now.
1: Oh nice. <laughs> Ed,
0: awesome. Uh, how do you feel? Awesome. You wanna keep going? Or, yeah, yeah? Man, thanks for the opportunity. Of course. Yeah, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. I'm glad to see you've improved your your life and, and yep. willing to share your experiences. It's, it's what life is all about, yeah. I guess, eh? Hey? Yeah, it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I hope I can uh, intrigue some people and they can pick up the book and uh, hopefully I can help them out, you know. Yeah, a definitely. lot of a lot of tools in there. It's like I said. It's a lot more than just the psilocybin in there. A lot of to, we didn't even really talk. We talked a little bit about breathwork and Wim Hof method, um, but there's a whole whole breathwork aspect to the book, um, whole philosophy aspect. And so there's there's a lot to it uh, that I think people can really benefit from.
0: Did you um, in all your travels ever? Do any ayahuasca or anything like that? No,
1: no, I haven't. Um, It's on the list, definitely. I had a few opportunities when I was down in Mexico and La Paz, but then COVID happened and I had to come back to San Diego. And so, yes, I didn't get the chance, but it is on the list. I'm very interested in that as well as the bufo, the frog. Mm because the dmt really does it intrigue me and excite me um
2: yeah
0: i've heard that five meo dmt is like the god molecule it's supposed to be like even more intense yeah. than just the N,N DMT or whatever right. and uh, yeah i'm i'm mm-hmm. interested in trying it as well one day
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean for that i think i would like to i'd like to go down to south america and do it in a, definitely in a shamanic, Mm -hmm. um, So I'll probably wait for the right situation for that. Um, you know, hopefully if the world opens up soon here, um, I'll be taking bigger, bigger trips like that. And maybe including that in the book, um, in addition to the, the legit therapeutic, uh, experience that I want to have, you know, so those are kind of two that I like to have and possibly plug into the book is the shamanic ayahuasca experience and then the therapeutic clinical setting experience. How? Um, I how think it'd be really exciting to see the differences.
0: Oh, definitely. How prevalent is mescaline and peyote around you? Like the, those cactuses are, um, no. like, do they grow around you or are you interested in trying something like that? You cut
1: out for a second there. Um, oh, did it? I didn't hear the first part of that.
0: Um, I was asking about uh, peyote or mescaline. Are, are those something you're interested in?
1: Uh, not around here, but in Mexico it does grow. in okay. the northern In the northern desert, which is not far from here. Yeah, peyote, that's where it's endemic, actually. Okay. So it's plenty of, uh, mm-hmm. in Mexico there's plenty of peyote. Well, not plenty, but.
0: <laughs> it's there?
1: It, it does grow there, but people are kind of. Kind of raping and posing that so it's it's not very sustainable if we take it from nature so that's the problem with peyote right yeah because it
0: takes so long to yeah to grow and be ready Mm
2: -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. Um, is that something Uh, you're interested in though
1: yeah definitely i haven't had the opportunity for that either but i'm definitely
0: interested in that yeah um i hear it's longer and like very very like I don't know if it's, Mm -hmm. like, grounding or, like, spiritual or whatever, but it's supposed to be, like, a good trip. Right. Like, like therapeutic. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think it's similar to psilocybin, but probably a bit longer. Yeah. Um, I would definitely like to experience that as well. You know, that's very closely related also to all the tryptomines and psilocybin LSD. So I would, I would really like to explore the differences in, in, in those two, for sure. I mean, mescaline was one of the first things on the scene, really, you know, back when Aldous Huxley wrote uh, The Doors of Perception, a long time ago. So that was like one of the first books about psychedelics in the modern era. Oh, yeah? So mescaline does intrigue me a
0: lot. Yeah. Um, how about, like, have you tried uh, ketamine?
1: No, I haven't. I no. have not tried that. Well. I don't know if I've had an opportunity for that. That seems to be a little bit of, of a different um, source, different way of getting it. Yeah. A
2: different...
1: Yeah, and I haven't looked too much into that, so I don't know. I don't know too much about it. Um,
0: I tried it for the first time a few weeks ago, and um, like I went over to a buddy's place and we we tried some new LSD that he had and. And he had some ketamine, so it, we just took a little bump of it because I had never tried it before. And it, it was a cool um, feeling; like it felt really relaxed, and it changed the visuals quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I just yeah. don't like sniffing things. Right. I don't yeah, like yeah. like the drip and like the burning sensation and stuff. But it was yeah. a it was an experience, and I, I I from that small experience, I can see how it would sort of help with depression and anxiety and stuff it just like it just melts you Mm
1: -hmm, really yeah yeah because that's a dissociative
0: yeah you can get caught in a k-hole apparently i and like yeah apparently you're just sort of melted and you can't move and you're sort of stuck there for a long time but i definitely didn't do anywhere near that that dosage um but yeah it's I'm excited to see where all, like all of this goes. There's just so much healing potential yeah. and just just having the uh the possibility to test it you know that that's a big thing
1: right yeah I know I know again it's all really just kind of continuing it's all in its inception where it we're left off you know almost fifty years ago, yeah so. So really, it's just kind of coming up. We're barely starting to learn about it.
2: As long as, as
1: well as consciousness itself, you know, I think it's we're diving into big questions nowadays as, as society.
2: Yeah,
0: a lot uh, of philosophy big... questions going around. Yeah, stemming you know, from this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely from the cry from all everything going on in the world. Yeah, the questions popping up, which they should be. They, they you know, they have been forever, and they should be and so I, I do think it's a great time for psychedelics to reemerge into medicine and science um because i think it's a very good tool to explore consciousness which we don't quite understand so if we want to understand consciousness i think we should we're going to need to um you know learn more about psychedelics yeah
0: cuz like I, I saw a picture not too long ago of these kids in straitjackets like handcuffed to a radiator and it's like it said like 1982 like mental hospital of some sort and it's like in the 80s we like that's how we saw mental health and like no wonder why we have such a bad grasp on it now right and like i i i wonder where we would be if we didn't if we were able to um do those um do that research back in the day you know, if if it wasn't all illegal, like we'd be so far ahead, and I'm sure our know, depression yeah. and anxiety would just be non-existent.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. We would be 40 years ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Would you know? Jump 40 years into the future, that's where we would be. That's the crime that was committed, you know, by by making these molecules illegal. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. How many people? You know, if you think about how many people died as a result of depression, suicide, PTSD, all of that. For the last 40 years that's the cost of this political action
0: yeah and yeah. how many people have gone to jail by trying to advocate yeah. for it or even just by doing it or possessing it or whatever it's just <laughs> terrible right. I hate it
1: it is it's just my god it's wrong on so so many levels so many levels but that's
0: where your book will help and where Greg's book will help like it's it, yeah. it takes the experience, and somebody to share the experience to really do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Because otherwise, yeah, you know, true. we're just listening to those the people that say it's bad instead of well, hold on a minute. Like I've, yeah. I haven't done anything like that. I haven't tried jumping out a window. I I don't think I'm an orange. I don't, you know, like right. I haven't gone crazy. I haven't. So like, just it's just so much. Bad yeah. air around yeah. it, right, right, but,
1: yeah. And, you know, I think that's maybe the the first place to start is raise awareness that it's not true. You know, that mm-hmm. with this the way you believe about these molecules is not true. They are not do not have a high potential for abuse. They do have medicinal purposes. You know, start reversing that those words uh, because they're just not true and so if that can become common knowledge that oh yeah that schedule one drug thing that that is a lie if that can become the normal conversation then you know i think we can get somewhere
0: yeah because they are obviously medicinal they have those properties <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. i
0: felt them you felt them millions of people have felt the the positive benefits it's just Yeah, getting that, those experiences out there, experiences out there. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think everybody should, you know, either do a podcast, write a book, write an article, do something to get it out there. You know, if we can have millions of stories, of success stories, then it'll become the new norm.
2: Yeah,
0: and it'll be impossible to deny. Right. Like, we can't have an echo chamber, though. Like, we have to have, like, the negative stories, too, because I'm sure there are some. but. Right, but right. we yeah we just have to share the real stories, not the the, right. the fake ones or the strictly right. the bad ones, just to scare people.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and it's amazing how they've succeeded at doing that because there isn't even that many bad stories. Nobody's ever died off of L S D or psilocybin. It's it's not possible.
0: Yeah, and there's no names attached to any of those stories. Like, oh, my friend of right. a friend got you know he did a bunch of acid and now he thinks he's an orange but there's never a name to it it's just a friend of a friend Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. right
1: yeah yeah
0: but I do know of people who will take too high of a dose and run around naked you know like there that does happen yeah Yeah, it is there's but a far higher number of people do that on alcohol right Go go crazy and streaking and breaking shit and getting into fights and that's mm-hmm. far more prevalent in the alcohol scene than it is in LSD or or mushrooms or any psychedelic really. I don't of know course. if PCP is considered a psychedelic. That sh- apparently that shit's pretty crazy and people
1: just want to yeah, fight. But... I mean... <laughs> I don't think it's that, you know. I mean, who knows? I'm not sure how prevalent it is in our society, but it's, um, yeah, I don't think it's a huge problem right now. I don't hear about it at least, thankfully. Yeah, thankfully. <laughs> but I mean, alcohol, you know, it, that's how blind we are, really, how, how much our beliefs are in our own. I was kind of mentioning earlier, I mean, everybody knows that alcohol is bad.
2: toxic.
1: Well, Everybody knows it. It's common sense, common knowledge. That we have, we go out, we do it, we promote it, we buy it, we drink it. We you know, and, and yet we question psychedelics that have never killed one person. You know, yeah. these are very logical things that we could. And it's just awareness and and not being present. It's the the um the pattern of dismissing, of just ah, oh, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Where you know where I think you just stop and say wait 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 no no no. no. You're not going to just dismiss this, okay. Alcohol kills, I don't know the number, hundreds of thousands of people a year. Kills, death, right, it's toxic. You know, it's a poison, it's literally a poison. Yeah. And you're okay with this, but you're not okay with something that has never killed one person and thousands have recovered from PTSD or or depression from it. Why, why? You really need to ask yourself why, and that's what people aren't doing.
0: Yeah, I find it funny that it's addictive. It has a very, very, very high probability of abuse. Um, Underage kids get it every single weekend in vast amounts. Um, Like it's, there's no medicinal value to it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You can just switch the terminology. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, alcohol. Has an extremely high potential for abuse. Alcohol literally has no medicinal purposes unless you are making a tincture of some sort.
2: Yeah.
0: So
1: yeah. The schedule one drugs should be alcohol.
0: Yeah. And I guess it was at one point, and then prohibition and all that, it, you know, it uh, right. that didn't go so hot. The war on alcohol ended pretty quick, but the war on drugs mm. did not. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. That one should have done pretty quick, too.
0: <laughs> but I guess, like, because everybody drank, right? Not everybody doing acid and, and mushrooms.
1: Right. Uh-huh. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure alcohol would be
1: different. And they didn't know how toxic alcohol was back then, probably. You know, yeah. science wasn't there. Um, you know, I would hope we're more evolved now. We're more intelligent. We have lots of studies now. And we can see clearly how destructive alcohol is for the person and for society. Yeah.
0: And you I don't think it we... should be illegal. Like, I think we should have the right to choose. Um, But maybe right. some sort right. of, like, three-strike rule or something, you know?
2: I don't know.
0: I don't, like, like, you know, like with, like, drinking and driving. It's like, okay, you can't be trusted. We tried, cool. you know? But, like, uh, don't let it ruin it for everybody
2: else. Right. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah. Because like we, otherwise, again, it'll just bring back pro, bring back you know a black market, and yeah, it's yeah. we just have to, we have to realize that the problem isn't with alcohol; it's our relationship with alcohol. Just like with, all right, it's our relationship with guns. It's not guns that's the issue, and just like mm-hmm. you know, drugs or to, yeah. like tobacco or like it's just. It's our relationship, us being addicted to it, us going overboard, us, you know, it's, it's us. Yeah. It's our relationship to it. It's
1: us, exactly, exactly. Yeah, we're the, yeah, we're the problem.
0: We're the problem.
1: Right. <laughs> and it, well, it's true because, uh, you know, the reason there's such high levels of alcoholism in, I think, mostly in the developed world, is because of the levels of stress and the levels mm-hmm. of unhappiness and levels of anxiety. You know, people turn to alcohol, first of all, because it's legal so you know that's its own thing but if people were able to achieve a sort of a higher level of existence um, a little more self-love, a little more self-awareness, if people can attack these mental issues and they're not as depressed, they don't feel as isolated, then they're probably not going to drink as much, they're probably not going to want to go to that place as much so you know these, these things can help smooth out the the influence that alcohol does have on society it has been a part of humanity forever you know alcohol has been intertwined with us forever yeah but these can help it help us diminish our need for that i mean that i have a chapter on addiction in in my book because it explores all these facts about addiction why we get addicted and this and that um and i've explored it with myself i've seen Directly and and absolutely effectively, how psilocybin reduces craving and breathwork reduces cravings for, uh, for alcohol. And I used to drink quite a bit. Pretty much all my twenties and thirties were spent traveling around the world and partying. Um, so I I, I know <laughs> that it's created a difference.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know it can it can take out that. Uh, abrasive influence that alcohol has on our, on us as individuals in society
2: yeah
0: i feel like part of the problem is that it like the first few beer taste or like feel good you know like it sort of makes mm-hmm. you numb and a little just like sort of uplifted a bit but then you have another couple and then it's like it's a depressant right. so it just brings you right back down yeah right. and then mm-hmm. you, you sort of get in a, a rut of Drinking to feel good, but then you overdo it, and then you feel like shit, and do something stupid, and then it's just loopy loop loop loop.
1: Yeah, loopy loop loop loop. Absolutely. <laughs> Alcohol—it's it, actually designed that way. The, Seems like happens. Yeah, what happens in your uh, neurons in your brain when you drink alcohol is it makes it have an instant withdrawal. So it changes the literally changes the structure of these neurons. In the section of your brain that makes you crave that um, the alcohol immediately, so the, and that's why we do that. That's why it's hard to have just wondering. Oh, okay, you, you, it instantly changes the function of that neuron and the shape of the neuron. And then with prolonged drinking, over most of us do. Can you hear me? The the phone's beeping a bit.
0: Uh yeah, it it just cut out for a second there.
1: Okay, yeah yeah. But uh, yeah, no, they've studied this, and it, it, alcohol, it, it, if you drink, drink a lot over many years, it can change, permanently change the structure of these specific neurons, which means you will pretty much always crave alcohol if you drink that much, and that makes sense because we all know that feeling, right? If I want, I oh, just want to have that other drink. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty strong feeling, like it's pretty, pretty strong. You usually get another one, and, and two will very likely turn into three. Yeah, and it's because of what's happening in your brain, of course. And your brain is craving. So alcohol is one of the worst molecules and drugs that there are, as far as withdrawal, because it literally creates an instant withdrawal.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's similar
1: with cocaine and heroin, I guess.
0: It's one of the only withdrawals that can kill you.
2: Yeah, right. Just but, from uh, the
0: withdrawal. Yes. I wonder if that's from like that change, like you're talking about, where you you're right. automatically wanting more, and then it's just too much of a strain mm-hmm. on the system.
1: Yeah, it could be. Mm-hmm. It, it very well could be. Yeah, I remember reading that fact, too, that alcohol withdrawal is actually more dangerous than heroin withdrawal.
0: Yeah, and its I, I find it odd that we're like, we almost glamorize people like drinking and puking and like, oh, well, I guess I'll have eight beer or whatever. <laughs> you know, like the, right. we glamorize that, but then we look down harshly on people who overdose on literally any other drug you know but I I see Uh somebody going to the doctor to get their stomach pumped just as bad as overdosing on heroin of course like what's the difference you're overdosing on a drug Mm mm-hmm
1: yeah I know, I know. You know, again, going back to the belief system, why do we believe these things, you know? Mm. Why is that okay? Why is it glamorized And it's society. It's, it's what we have grown up to believe. Um, and that's one of the very important lessons, I think, in this whole journey is, is to always question your beliefs and, and realize that they're, they're not your beliefs. So you need to learn what they are, first of all, why you believe them. If it's right, if it's just, if it's if it's the correct um, the correct perspective of whatever it is, and if it's not, then fix it. And it doesn't matter if, if it goes against the grain. Yeah, you know, normally uh, that's probably the right thing to do. Is is what's a little bit different than what society
2: does.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite sort of quotes is um, a man in his forties who thinks the same as when he was in his twenties has wasted twenty years of his life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: you know because yeah. like you should be constantly growing and each experience should sort of like at least make make you question prior experiences and like the way you thought about prior experiences and stuff and it's just like we're we're constantly growing and learning so like to be 40 and still think that the world's the same as when you're 20 not to mention the yeah. fact that 20 years has happened since then you know of like actual yeah. change to have that same—I don't know—it's just like I—I I, I like thinking about it like that, of just like yeah. constantly yeah. change your mind,
2: mm-hmm. or give yourself yeah.
0: the possibility to, the opportunity to. Right,
1: and we do. You know, I think as—I don't know how old you are, but I think as as we get older, we do change perspective and change opinions and beliefs and belief systems. I know I have. What I. You there. <laughs> Hello? Oh, there we go. Oh, okay. Uh shoot, it's cutting out a bit. Um, um what was I saying? Yeah, just uh you know, I've changed beliefs so many times. I think as we get older we switch beliefs on something or we'll just see life different. That's how life is. So we also shouldn't be dead set on anything really, you know. I try and I try and know what I believe now probably be a little different in ten years maybe very different I may be a completely new person you know. so not to hang on to to anything with extreme conviction because it's very likely that belief will will change over time and it should as it should
0: yeah definitely and even just the term belief you know like Mm -hmm. you have to believe in it and to believe in something doesn't exactly mean it's true you know like right it's there's always that possibility that it's not and even within facts like the facts that we thought 20 years ago are different than you know some of them will change to now and and you know reality is constantly changing like our reality mm-hmm. is different than five years ago than 10 years ago than 20 years ago you know and mm-hmm. my reality is different than your reality like it right and different than in North Korea and in China and in Russia and in you know Mexico like uh, there's just like no wherever you're born sort of like dictates your reality in a way of just yes. like you know
1: yeah so much right and if you think about that you had no control over where you were born you had no control over who your parents are yeah so you're a walking uh, adaptation you you've adopted all of these ideas
0: yeah know? and like you were born. Sometimes I think of, like, what I would be like if I was born somewhere else. And yeah. really, all I have to do is talk to somebody that was born there. And me being in, you know, if it was me that was born in their shoes, I would probably probably be that person. You know, it's just my ego that makes me think I would think any differently. But given all the um experiences and everything presented to me i would just be that person you know like i can see myself in other people because i can sort of like justify that i you know that's me if i were given all those opportunities or all those um you know uh experiences i don't know
2: right yeah
1: yeah definitely i know i i tell people same thing sometimes you know I have uh, <clears throat> like my one of my sisters is very religious um, with, with religion she's actually changed religions a few times but, uh, but you know sometimes I I tell people if you were born in you know in Iran you'd probably be Muslim yeah you'd probably do things very differently uh, you know you you would not be you you would not be you have your belief system you eat different foods, you would do things differently, so yeah, so this idea that we, you know, our ego that we've created, we kind of feel like, okay, I'm me, I've I've created this, I've created my personality, I've created myself, and you know, we get kind of proud of that sometimes, but it's not true, like you're saying, you're just a product of your environment, mm-hmm. you're just, you're just spitting out things that have been taught to you, you know, and so, Realizing that, I think, is a very important step in self-awareness.
0: Yeah, because a lot of the time, like, it depends how well your teacher can relate to you, you know, and be able to transfer their knowledge to you. Like, you could be a really smart kid, but if your teacher is a really smart teacher but doesn't know how to relay that information to you, then that's then you're not right. going to grow to your potential. But if you're, you know, if you're in a position where a teacher... Um, is able to then like you will grow but it's a it's just so reliant on that mm-hmm. that um right. external uh source i guess a lot of the time but there is yeah. like a lot of like you know like our physical bodies do differ so there is that like you know like yeah. some people don't run as fast and some people you know are better at math or whatever yeah. but but still like there's the there's the ability to see yourself in others. And I think that's sort of where a lot of empathy comes mm-hmm.
1: from. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, which is very important. Yeah. Empathy, you know, okay. another um, side effect, and you can call it a side effect, I guess, of uh, mm-hmm. psychedelics.
0: I, I never really had empathy before, like in my, like I'm 27 yeah. now and I, yeah. I just five yeah. years ago, I like, I, I like seeing my Facebook memories. Cause like, yeah. I can see how much of an idiot I was, you know. <laughs> yeah, so <right.
2: laughs>
0: it helps me yeah. that way of just seeing my progress. Yeah, right.
1: Uh huh. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, I I as well have definitely feel a lot more empathy, ever since this journey started, and just the connection to everything. Um, just so many good positive things, you know, that come from it.
0: What about spiritually? Are you different in that way? Like spiritually? Um, yeah, very much so. Very much.
1: Um, like I mentioned, my sister's very religious. My parents were. My dad was religious towards his later years. My mom's very religious, but the rest of my family wasn't. We always kind of were were kids of science. Um, okay. So I always resisted religion my whole life because of my parents, uh, and I never ever believed any of that. Um, But after the recent journeys I've had, even back in my 20s when I was experimenting back then, mm, I wouldn't say I had spiritual uh, experiences per se. They were definitely more recreational and just great euphoric um, experiences. But these recently I have felt much more of a connection and I guess you can call it spiritual. I don't know. I think it's one of those things where there's really no words for it. It's not necessarily spirituality, it's definitely not religion, Uh, you know, it's a connection to the universe and to everything that I feel and I know is true and my relation to it.
0: So would Um, you say more so it's you're more open to the possibility that something exists higher than us? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like you're not
0: um, subscribing to any like religion or any like,
1: no, I mean God. I think I personally think religion is leftover mythology. I don't think it's bad. I think it's, again, it's the language barrier. So I think we had to develop. Uh, and this is a theory, actually, if you look back at um, the Stone date theory, it's called by Terrence McKenna, mm-hmm. of the development of language. And the, that was sparked. From actually from our ancestors eating psilocybin mushrooms which caused the prefrontal cortex to develop pretty rapidly within a two million um, year time frame so there's a theory called the stone Age theory about that and how that this higher awareness in, in our language centers in our brain literally developed from the neurogenesis from our ancestors after leaving the savannah eating these mushrooms and and having that neurogenesis occurred developed, language centers in our brain developed language language developed into religion which was a form of telling a story so we can understand these ideas and insights that we get during these experiences so you know i have the experience a lot of people see god or whatever you can call god that's probably was what was happening with our early primates early ancestors homo what was it homo erectus between homo erectus and homo sapiens that's when the brain grew and so having these insights is a primitive you know, a primitive uh, human, you're going to have this idea of God, you just can't put it into words. You know, then comes language, and so you're going to tell a story about language, uh, about God. You're going to tell a, a fable, a, a myth, you know, and that's what Greek mythology was, and it was accepted. People did believe in Zeus. But now time has passed, and now we categorize it as mythology. And I believe religion is just surviving mythology. It's stories yeah. to to imprint and, and teach these lessons and these insights that, that are true. They are true. So religion does serve a purpose. It's just a different way of learning these things. So I think it's all different means to an end. You know, I, I feel I have the same peace of my place in the universe because of what I've experienced and my understanding of it. Um, I I think I, I feel I have that same peace as a religious person, knowing, you know, that their their Jesus is has their back. Right. That they're. I think it's the same thing, really. So, you know, I don't know. I my re- I, you can call it my religion, and I just feel yeah. There's something that um, that definitely uh, coordinates and dictates everything, and is much. Everything is um, it's meant to be. It's a, it's coordinated. There is a higher. Existence is a higher realm. This is where it gets complicated. Or energy. Yeah, energy maybe a higher energy. It's possible also that all of this is an illusion. Um, that's a is a possibility. That uh, it's a, a a a physic. The physical matter is a a realm, basically. a realm which is a piece of existence. Yeah. We don't nearly enough to to go there, we just know that, oh wait, maybe it's possible. So I mean, we don't know anything, you know? But the, yeah, there's, it's definitely instilled in me the idea that um, we're not in control, we're very, recently there's much larger energy or, or something that's dictating everything. But it's not fatalistic, uh, you know, I, I, I don't believe fate is set, um, I think. I think in line with the Stoics, which is the philosophy I really dove into, and they kind of believed that God, which for them at the time was Zeus, that Zeus was synonymous with nature. So Zeus, God, whatever it was, is nature. And they used that logic to observe nature and the laws of physics and extrapolate that out into how those laws we can uh, manifest in our lives and in our emotions and how the physical natural world exists and works in unison with everything else if we abide by those rules and apply those to our life and our emotions and everything that was sort of a communication with God that God, that God was teaching us how to live by observing nature because nature is God Okay. So that's a, stoic, a little bit of the Stoics sort of perspective, and I kind—I—I I, I believe that. I want to believe that, and I, I feel I have absorbed that because I—I I do think nature is the closest we observation we can get of whatever it is that is creating all this. You know, because it is perfect. Nature is perfect. Everything yeah. works perfectly.
0: Well, there's so much uh, sacred geometry within nature. Like it just seems like right. it's—it was made by something. You know.
1: <laughs> right right it's
0: just too perfect of a design it yeah it's, yeah but and so I, I mean like i don't know year. i'm not religious mm-hmm. but dmt really sort of opened my mind to you know the possibility that there's something else because i've seen so many different entities and like felt so many different like um i guess personalities within them or different like yeah energies and stuff like it just felt like a whole different entity than Mm -hmm. the previous and it just i don't know it just opens me up to the possibility that there's another realm or like a higher because they're so smarter so much smarter than us and like they can just like beam these ideas into your mind and stuff and i don't know maybe it's just a drug but maybe there's You know, it allows you to connect to something. or I don't know. You've
1: seen these entities on DMT? Sorry? You've seen these entities on DMT?
0: I've seen lots of entities, yeah.
1: Wow, okay. Yeah, see, I've never uh, really experienced that. I've never seen or experienced a defined entity.
0: Yeah, like I've Uh, seen sock puppet guys that were like... They sort of look like these sort of incognito kind of like they had these little sort of sock fedoras and they look like, yeah, they just look like sock puppets and they're my um, elevator guides. They're like shooting me up this elevator and I've had this weird, like round entities, like wake, wak- uh wagon its finger at me saying you did not learn your lesson. And he like put me in this time loop prison and I've seen like this, Uh, it was like a construction site and i was like kind of going along this fence with like you know how outside construction sites they'll have the the chain link fence with like the different company signs on it you know like whoever construction and whatever 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 um it felt like i was going along that fence and then all of a sudden i got to this part and this like machine just busted through the fence and there's like five or six different entities riding on it and they sort of just like stop and look at each other and then look at me and then they just like bust out laughing and then I busted out laughing and then they're like come with us and so I like hop on this machine with them and they're just like bouncing around it's like this weird construction like a greater sort of thing with this weird like blade that moves it was it's so hard to explain but these things are just like running into things just like looking at each other laughing and man it was i laughed for 15 minutes straight i don't know how i didn't wake up my girlfriend or my kid but i was just laughing my ass off it was so funny
1: that is wild yeah like i've I've had from
0: entities scaring the shit out of me to them making me laugh like it's it's (laughs) it's weird
1: incredible yeah, yeah, I've never. I mean, I that's definitely a more common thing with DMT. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: I've definitely
1: read a lot about that. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of the first wave of psychedelic advocates like Terence McKenna that uh, believed in entities and, and believed they were real. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the question: is are we tapping into another dimension where these entities are real, or or are they triggering something that's familiar to us in our minds? You yeah, know, like within you or creating, something. Yeah, it's creating an entity or something that's familiar to you. And we've all, you know, since kids, we have all had this idea of an alien. You know, and we've, So we have these ideas in our head. And that's the old question. You know, that's where the research is going. What's yeah. going
0: on? Are I, we, and I would, are I would are believe animals? that it's just like these entities. I don't even, like, I can't remember them. You know, like it's not like I, I I feel like if my brain did make it up, then it, I would be able to like remember it easier because it would sort of tap into a memory or something. But it's like these things are just uh, I don't know how I could make them up as all.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well, and then there's a lot of crossover too. There's a lot of people who, who um, see the same entities and mm-hmm. they have no relation to each other. They come from different backgrounds. They have different uh you know completely different demographic different people but they see the same entities so cool. than that yeah that that's where i'm
0: excited for this uh all this research to be done just to like yeah you know like yeah see who is actually seeing these different entities and like maybe if you can somehow tap into them or something i don't know it's, mm-hmm. it's cool my next dmt trip i really want to go in with the purpose of um talking with my ancestors have never done mm-hmm. that before, like with the intent of it.
1: Um, no, I haven't. I haven't, but I have felt my dad's present after he passed during breath work. Really? And he, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's not I just felt his presence. I, I felt like he stepped in me or I, I stepped into his shoes and I had this uncontrollable laughter. Cool. Yeah, uh, it you know somehow manifested in and, and just laughed. And he he was a really happy guy. I laughed a lot, but I I, just, I couldn't stop laughing. It Was after breathwork doing doing a session of Umhlanganothi, and I was I couldn't stop laughing. I was thinking about him at the time. Thinking about him a lot, and I had I felt like he I don't know. I just felt like he kind of was there. He was in me, and he was just we were laughing, and and it was kind of him laugh. I, that's the closest I felt to like speaking to him or or anything with any presence of anything. I've never felt anything like that. But here I was like, oh, man, it is possible that his energy somehow touched me right there. I, I don't know. That's real yeah. cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you and notice like
1: – Sorry? That was breath work. Yeah, think. okay. Yeah, I've never, I've never had that feeling with
0: any psychedelic. <laughs>
1: it was just breath work.
0: Did you notice that you're sort of happier after that? Do you feel like you sort of took a piece of his happiness with you?
1: You know, yeah, yeah, yeah I was feeling of a peace, a joy, and and uh, just yeah, just a pleasant, a pleasant joy and peace um, afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably a little bit of acceptance. You know, I mean, I'm a big believer in. I've never, I never dove too much into the soul and, you know, spiritual realm and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most of my life I did kind of believe that you die, you die. And that's how your consciousness goes with your body. I, I don't know. I don't I don't know that. I don't think that anymore. I think the physical form is just one small tiny aspect of reality. And I, I have a feeling that i believe consciousness continues somehow you know
0: well it's hard not to like when you you were talking about your um ego death experience and Mm -hmm. like it just feels as if you're that's where you go when you die right like like you feel that disconnect from your body or i or i did anyway and i i -hmm. feel like it just like okay this is what it's like when i don't have a body
2: right Mm-hmm. Like, I always have right. my
0: tinnitus kind of anchoring me to my body, but I have had a couple trips where it's sort of like, yeah, I was able to okay. get past it and, um yeah. yeah, feel. Like on mushrooms, like you were saying how you had your blindfold on and you sort of like disconnected with your body. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. Mine was more so I, I had, I didn't have a blindfold on or anything, but I was laying in bed and my body was under the covers, so I couldn't see my body. I could just sort of see oh. like the... The ripples on the covers of where my body should be and then it just felt like yeah. my mind and my body were just completely separate and i could just if i wasn't stuck in my skull i could just like float away and just do as i please yeah. but i'm sort of stuck in this body um, You're right <laughs> so I, I feel like that's what happens that's when you die maybe is you sort of uh-huh. just disconnect and right move on uh-huh yeah you know and what role why
1: does DMT get activated when we die you know that has to be explored still it seems to happen so there's
2: mm-hmm. going to be
1: a reason for it you know nature's nature's pretty much perfect so that's interesting what happened why we we do that um, yeah and or or it could be that we are tuned into a frequency and with this physical exi- existence, you know, we have that frequency, but yeah, as soon as our physical form deteriorates, then, you know, you tap into a diff- different frequency, kind of like a radio picks up a signal. So the consciousness is there. You know, we are part of a larger consciousness and we just, our physical form dissolves at that point, but then the consciousness continues on to a different frequency there's just so many different ways of looking
0: at it yeah like we could even be in a process you know of moving up the dimensions you start at like uh, in a one-dimensional world you sort of live your life in that you maybe have multiple lives in that until you sort of like get the grip get a grip of it and sort of understand it and then you move into the second dimension and then or we'd be in the third dimension i guess right now yeah, and then like amazing. we're learning about like you know love and emotions and all that stuff and mm-hmm. how to navigate and how to like use our bodies maybe and then once we die we and we're ready we'll move into the fifth dimension fourth dimension or fifth dimension or whatever and we'll just sort of keep moving up until we're oh, all right, something yeah. part of the energy field or i don't know
2: yeah yeah. I don't know. And and that's that's the, why I always like to question it. <laughs>
1: that's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to is we don't know, like there's so, so much we don't know.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, how it, uh, we can come up with all kinds of theories which we have and we've come up with this great scientific method but the problem is, you know, we can't really use science to explore a lot of these realms. It's just yeah. not observable. You need to
0: experience death to you really
1: need to know experience it. it. And... <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's not going to be a lot of tangible facts. Like, you know, science is very, very meticulous and observable. Yeah. These questions are metaphysical and spiritual, and science isn't very good at exploring that. And so those... if that's the best tool that we have, you know, it's not that good for this. So,
0: yeah, we sort of rely on near death experience. Um, yeah, people are telling our sto- their stories of what they saw sort of as they were dead, and then there's they were mm-hmm. restarted or whatever and then a lot of the time it sounds like a dmt trip
1: right yeah and that would make perfect sense now that we know the dmt is released during at the time of death okay the dmt release could be the cause of the white tunnel that people see
0: yeah have you seen the movie uh, flatliners
1: yeah oh
0: uh-huh, yeah yeah i watched that tripping probably not the greatest movie to watch tripping but uh, ha, ha, it, yeah. uh, <laughs> probably not. i didn't think probably it was going to be so creepy cute. Fuck that yeah it got there
1: though. <laughs> Either not the best movie or it could be the best movie. It was movie to watch
0: it, it made me think. You know? It yeah, it, it, yeah. Was, it was good. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that was a great one. That was Kevin Bacon,
0: right? Uh shit, I don't even know who Kevin Bacon is. It had Ellen Page in it and I think there's a few yeah. different ones. I think there's a TV show and a movie. Okay. Um okay, I But it's like a few doctors that um, basically, want to see what the near death experience is, so they like kill themselves and then bring themselves back, like three minutes right. later or whatever, and then yeah. yeah, they start realizing that shit starts going <laughs> sideways because they're supposed to be dead. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's when they learn. Oh, maybe yeah, we shouldn't uh,
0: mess around with life. Like yeah, that. yeah, it's super <laughs> cool. <laughs>
1: That's great. Yeah, I don't know if that clears up your question um, about spirituality, but uh, <laughs> the more, yeah, the more you learn, you know, the more questions you have. Uh, it, it's
0: it gets more intriguing as we go. I feel like you know, uh-huh. like yeah, yeah, you ask a question and sort of like maybe understand it a little bit more, and it's like okay, well, maybe this and this and this, and then you experience something in your trip. It's like okay, maybe that's possible.
2: Yeah, you know? I don't know. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, we learn more and more. Awareness grows. Yeah, I I think it's just we get more high, a higher resolution of life as we learn more, and especially with psychedelics. You know, I definitely feel I have, I I can see more of the bandwidth of reality. I have a higher resolution of reality. I I can think things, I can think about things in more detail.
2: Yeah, you have better state of mind. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. You just kind of—it's kind of like it feels like life gets more pixelated. It gets and just clear, more clear and more clear. The more you dive into these questions and and these tools of psychedelics, of yoga and meditation, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's what life is. I think. I think it's all. We're given all these tools, and and we're just kind of supposed to find find what our purpose is and learn what life is about and do our best to serve really to be Mm. a part of society
2: yeah
0: experience it and make the most Mm -hmm. of it and put i guess um sort of imprint the world with a little bit of you if that makes sense Mm -hmm. you know uh, yeah bring a part of you out like that's what art is is just taking something in your mind and putting it and manifesting it physically like painting or a song or you know right anything like that so writing yeah. a book that's art. that's taken yeah. it out of your mind and putting it into pages yeah. so
1: yeah exactly exactly it's putting out information that you've learned yeah yeah we're like little computers you know or mm-hmm. small little the most powerful computer ever created you
0: know human brain yeah so uh, what we have today great. in society is just what people have thought of and brought into this have manifested into this world, you know, like mm-hmm. a bicycle. Somebody had to think of that, right. an airplane. Right. Somebody had to think of that. And everybody else thought they're crazy, you know, and mm-hmm. a cannon or gunpowder or whatever. Somebody thought about it and somebody created it. Right. So, right. Could, it's what are we going to yeah, do we... now? What are we going to create next? You know, no, no I... idea is dumb. It's just how right. can you manifest it? Right. So, Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, and in in that sense, you know, we are kind of like little souls, little souls manifesting things in in the physical form. Yeah. To to serve the the greater community, you know, the the whole, you know, what can we contribute in in its physical form to our society?
0: Yeah. It's the, it, yeah. It, it's a cool way to think about it at the very least.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I like that perspective a lot. I was kind of borrowing from uh, another Stoic quote um, from uh, I think it was Seneca that says we are we are little souls carrying around the corpse. <laughs> so he, you know, <laughs> he liked to he, the Stoics like to think a lot about mortality and death, you know, and, and the fact that you're we're pretty much we're already dead. Or we can be dead at any moment, you know. But the soul lives on, and so if you yeah. think of yourself as a soul and you have this body, you know, all right, let's put it to use. You know, let's. That's um, manifest again in this physical form, yeah. From the place of the soul, you I know, go- which is constantly seeking truth.
0: A lot of people sort of identify as the body, and then, you know, they sort of have a thought within them. But mm-hmm. you, you sh- I think you should sort of more see it as you're a soul with um, a physical yeah. body attached to you. You know, you don't die when yeah. your body dies. Maybe it right. like transfers to another body, or you know, some something could happen with it. Who knows? Um, but mm-hmm. it, it's that power of just thinking this body is just you know my physical um, mm-hmm. adaptation or whatever. Am I, right. My reach into well, the yeah. physical world.
1: Mm-hmm. And it, it flips your perspective a bit too t- to see the body as a bonus hmm as as not synonymous of you as not a a given, uh, you know, not something to be taken for granted, not not just a promise. You you have a body, you know, it it, it flips it where it's automatically a bonus. Like yeah. you know, you are a soul and you get to have this body. You're you're gonna be gifted this incredible body for about seventy five years, eighty years maybe.
2: So
1: offer actually... it to use, you, you know, you're borrowing it.
0: I had a trip where, um, I don't know, probably a month ago, it felt like and I saw visuals of sort of like me renting this body in a way. And like when Ah. when I die, I'll have to go back to where I rented it from and they'll they'll see how well I took care of it um what i did with the time if i abused it or whatever and then that'll be judging it and then you know like i I just had that like rental feeling of like i have to return this body when i'm done with it
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is a great way of looking at it that is a a yeah
0: because then there's like a responsibility to it you know
1: yeah yeah Uh uh-huh i just heard i think it was tony robbins had a little thing uh comeback challenge he called it um, I think he's the one who said that to you know treat your body like a luxury vehicle not a rental you know yeah like you, like you just you're gonna have to return you know a Porsche not um, not just a, a beater rental yeah treat your body that way
0: yeah and I talked to a, a guy um, he didn't want me to use his name on the podcast so uh, we call him D but he is a quadriplegic um, yeah. he had a spinal injury when he was in his early 20s I think if I remember correctly and uh-huh. he did like he's he's partially paralyzed from the neck down so he can move and stuff but he's kind of he relies on a wheelchair and stuff um, okay. and so talking to him he really put it into perspective how we don't how we take our bodies for granted you know Mm-hmm. um but like you're yeah. saying we have to treat them like these luxury cars because they are and fill them up with premium fuel and you know make sure we get our oil changes mm-hmm. done and stuff
1: exactly and that's the maintenance right there you know so your fuel for me your know, fuel is oxygen mm-hmm. you know the breath through that's my fuel in the morning um nutrition plays a big part of this too um I i definitely talk a little nutrition in the book you know that's huge too to read the right foods that stimulate serotonin production and and all that you know so that's all fuel that's all you want to learn what what fuels your brain your body and and, yeah fill it up you know fill it up before you take corvette out on the road you know fill up your brain with oxygen before you head out for the day yeah
0: and and every everything you consume is a chemical reaction inside your body so like that, that um that's like putting in improper gas or gas with different additives or whatever, you know, like you just If it's running, if you have a premium car running unclean fuel, like it's it's not going to run right mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Right. It's just learning that I guess, and I don't treat my body the best a lot of the time And I'm sort of just learning yeah. to to do so, but
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, you it know, is, it, right? it is it's and learning and it's practice and you're gonna fall off and you back, get back on and it's training and it's you know it's a lifelong thing. Yeah, um, lifelong thing. I think the most powerful thing you can do though is, is exactly that is is that perspective flip. You know, to start believing, to start telling yourself and start believing that this life is borrowed,
2: mm-hmm.
1: just like we're, like your body is borrowed. Your body is temporary. You're lucky if it's working right now. Uh, and this entire life is going to be gone, and we're bar- we're lucky, and it's it's not a, a given. This yeah. life is not a given. This life we're borrowing, you're borrowing everybody in your entire life, your family, your friends, everything. they're all going to be gone someday. So you're borrowing everything in this life that's temporary. And so, you know, for me, that sparks gratitude. Um, a lot of people I've talked to about this, it kind of gets them down, you know, um, I think it's a little bit of learning curve of how to flip that idea of mortality or the end of everything into into um, urgency to to live your best life. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people get stuck in the the, the dark thought of that. that Oh, man, well, everything is going to be gone. It can be that can be dark and sad at first. But if you just
0: really. Oh, you cut out there
1: to be happy about what we
0: have right now you cut out for about three four seconds there
1: Ah, uh, yeah sorry yeah no i was just talking about the importance of of viewing your life as borrowed yeah as is a very temporary thing
0: yeah at the very least when you go to return the meat sack at the end just uh hopefully they say <laughs> well you're an idiot at the beginning but you realized it and yeah, you tried to change your ways or something, you know, that's all I hope Mm -hmm. for is just like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. They acknowledge my effort or whatever.
1: That's all. Yeah. And they could see, you know, and, and, and the people left behind will see how we lived and hopefully that'll be an example, you know, and if you can at least pass that on your form of being and hopefully we strive to be, the best people we can be for ourselves, for our family, and for society, you're gonna affect those around you. So if you were that person, then if you can at least affect a few other people around you with that same attitude, and that just, that grows from there. You know. So it's really, I think, passing on knowledge. I think that's what life's about, is passing on um, knowledge and, and uh, awareness and consciousness, really. You know, you pass on to your kids knowledge.
0: Yeah. And, like, flipping the idea that, like, instead of thinking, well, I'm only here for this long, so, like, what does it matter when I'm gone, to, okay, I got to make sure that I work hard and, like, you know, do my best to provide a world for my kids and for other kids for the next yes. generations, you know, because I'll be gone, but they'll still be here.
1: Right, exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Hopefully. And that's kind of
2: weird.
1: that's where true happy. yeah, I know right hopefully you know I mean you still have to try no matter how yeah. dire it might look um, still have to try
0: or maybe uh, it's a simulation and none of you guys exist, and I'm just here just talking to a computer. who knows who yeah, knows yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, simulation you yeah, know I like simulation theory. It's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. We can't prove it wrong. So. Just, I don't know. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something?
0: <laughs> but anyway, man, we're at three and a half hours here. I think we should call her quits and yeah. Um, yeah, pick it up again another I, time. Yeah. I'm definitely interested in talking definitely. to you in the future.
1: Yeah, definitely. Sounds good, man. Again, thanks for the opportunity. Um, let's keep in touch. Um, let me know how, where the podcast will be. And
0: yeah, I'll send you a link when I get it yeah, up. Send and... me a
2: link.
1: I'll put that up on my um, website and whatnot. And for people listening, uh, the book is called Taking Back My Mind. And you can get it on the website, takingbackmymind.com. There's a link on there or on Amazon.
0: Okay, but does so it that... still come through Amazon if you get it from your yeah, store? Yeah,
1: it's just an Amazon. Movie. Okay,
0: I'll put a link up yeah. on uh, for the podcast too, in the description, and okay, yeah, um, I'm I'm just working on the podcast with Greg Lake, so um, cool. that should be up. I, uh, hopefully, I'll get it done today. Kind okay. of part nice. with I work construction, so it's um takes up a lot of my time, yeah. but I try to get you know, like one podcast out per uh, per week, and. Yeah, with them nice. being two, three hours. It's, it's quite a bit of content for the, for the week anyway. So, of course, of course. So, yeah. I'll let uh, you know. Well, so cool. Sorry.
1: I said, that's so cool. That's great. You started a podcast. It's, you know, I've, I love the idea and I've thought about doing that sometime down the road also.
0: It's way out of my so, comfort zone. I'm, I know yeah. I'm not mm. the greatest host or anything, but I, 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 I I'm, I'm trying mm. and I'm learning and I'm, uh, and I feel like it's so, yeah, progressing from, from each episode.
1: Point. So Yeah, I like anything I think you'll you'll find your little niche and your style and, and whatnot. And uh yeah, I mean it's it's a great medium of, of uh disseminating information.
0: Yeah I think. And I so. yeah, I don't have to rely on any any money really. Like I've got a couple programs, I got a computer, I'll just record conversations and upload them. Easy. And if yep, it takes off, exactly. it takes off. And if not, I enjoy talking to you and I enjoy talking to Greg. And, you know, I'm meeting yeah, right. a lot of great people, and, yep. and that's all I could ask for. So,
1: right. Mm-hmm. It's and a diff- win win.
0: Yeah. And lots of different yeah. ideas and, you know, like a lot of different opinions. And it's just, it's a good right. way for me to learn and meet people and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Awesome. And, awesome. and find out about good. cool books like yours. That I'm excited to read. So. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, good for you, man. That's that's great. That's pretty awesome. I'll I'll definitely be following you along. Um, I'll check out the Greg Lake podcast for sure as soon as it's up.
0: Yeah, sounds good. All right, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Sounds good. Well, thank you.
1: Thank Thank you. you. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. And uh, I'll stay tuned. All right. Have a
2: good
0: one, man. Bye.
2: Okay. Take care. All right. Bye.
0: That concludes the conversation with Gerardo Urias about his new book called Taking Back My Mind, How I Conquered Depression and Addiction with Psychedelics, Breathwork, and Philosophy. I'm excited to read it, and you can pick up your copy on Amazon or Kindle. I left a link in the episode description. Make sure to subscribe to the show and check out all the conversations with the awesome guests we've had in the past. If you have anything you'd like to share on the podcast, email me at two templespodcast at gmail.com. The best way to support Two Temples is by sharing the show with your friends and on social media. Thanks Gerardo for sharing your story and thank you for listening. Ciao for now.